Do you have any uh, special plans going on in your life right now? Now, I don't mean what are you planning for lunch in a few minutes, but I mean some bigger things, you know. In working with a, a congregation that has people all spread out through the lifespan, I'm always hearing about people's plans, whether it's kids and, and teenagers and their plans for school and sports activities or moving on to college or young adults who are in college and getting ready for their career, people entering their careers, people thinking about changing their careers, people thinking about wanting to put an end to their career and retire. Everybody's got different plans for things. Sometimes it includes things like marriages. We just had a wedding here yesterday. Or bringing children into the family. So all sorts of big plans that go on. Well, do you have some plans like that going on in your life, some big plans? And how do you feel about those plans? Do you feel pretty confident about them? Well, we all know that sometimes plans don't always work out the way we want them to. Things change. Well, when your plans change, how does that affect you? How do you view it? What do you feel about it? Are you just disappointed? Maybe frustrated if you've been working on something for a long time and now it changes? Or maybe you're devastated. Maybe the change has really messed things up and what you were hoping your life would be like. Maybe you're even a little fearful of what things are going to be like. So sometimes the changes that come into our life can be rather upsetting. Have you ever had that happen? We've all had our plans change on us. So sometimes we need some reminders, some encouragement about what's going on. And the encouragement we get today is to get your hopes up. The reason being is because God has plans for you. The prophet Jeremiah gives us that encouragement with these words. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah was addressing the people in the southern section of Israel called Judah, telling them about how they can have their hopes up even as they were seeing their life change before their eyes. You see, what was happening is God was using and allowing the Babylonians to come and invade Judah and to carry them off into captivity. But God said he knew that was going to happen. He was allowing it to happen. And the reason was because they had been turning away from God. They didn't want to listen to his prophets anymore. They didn't want to follow God's ways. They wanted it all to go their way instead. But God didn't want that for them because it wasn't right and it wasn't good. So God was going to intervene and have them 
carried off into captivity to Babylon for 70 years. He had it all measured out. He had it all planned out. And the purpose was so that they would come back to him. You see, even though the Bible says we may be faithless, God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. So God will never contradict his promises, but always work them for our good. And so when you and I have our plans changed, when things seem uncertain or devastating, let's take this encouragement and get our hopes up because God has plans for us. Based on the words that we just read, let's take a look to see what his plans are like. There's two words that stand out in the Hebrew text to me that describe beautifully his plans. I have them highlighted here. God says, I will come and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. The two key words are the word fulfill and my good promise. That word fulfill means God's plans are set and firm. The word originally in the Hebrew meant that there was a, a building process that was taking place. That everything was set and being constructed, put together to be accomplished. Now when we think of building something, we might think of plans and how they're all drawn out, for example, on blueprints. Now, I don't know that I've ever seen a one-page blueprint. Usually, blueprints for some kind of a building project have page after page after page. And that's because they're filled with all sorts of details. For example, they might say, well, we're going to put a wall here. So they're going to have a lot of detail about all that wall. They're going to describe all the support studs that are there, maybe all the things that are behind the wall, like conduit and pipes. They'll show you where all the electrical outlets and light switches will be. They'll even tell you what they're going to use to make that wall. So the plans that we have for building things are very detailed. And that was the idea behind that word in the Hebrew, too, when God said, I'm going to fulfill my good promises. He was telling us he has it all designed and laid out in detail. And indeed, he did. Already from before time began, God had the plan of saving the people of this world all laid out. He knew that he would send his son into this world to take our place, to be our substitute, to save us. And though that plan would take thousands of years before it would actually play out, it was fulfilled according to every detail that he gave. And even though the people to whom he gave the plan, the people of Israel, were unfaithful to God, God never changed his plan. He always remained faithful to the details of it. And so he sent his son into the world to become a human being. So his son Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he was born exactly in the place where God said he would be born, and he lived his life exactly as God said he would, without sin, with showing mercy, with healing people, with preaching God's word, and then finally giving up his life 
on the cross as the sacrifice, as the payment for the sins of the world. God's perfect plan of salvation, all laid out in detail, was firm and fulfilled. And that's what he tells us his plan is like for us too. It is firm. It's all set out in the details. Now, we don't always see those details, but they are all carried out according to God's timing. Now, there was a second word here that was used to describe God's plan. He called it his good promise, and I'm focusing on the word good. That word good in the original language meant it was beautiful. It was lovely. It was pleasant. It was perfect. One Bible translation used the word gracious promise instead of good. And I, and I like that because it was really describing the nature of God's promises. Let me, let me illustrate that. If you go to McDonald's and buy a hamburger and you pay for it, you're going to eat it and say, oh, that was good. And it should be because you paid for it, right? So you're just getting what you paid for. Now, if somebody invites you to their home, and prepares a nice meal, and it's really good, that's gracious. They didn't ask you to pay for it. They didn't ask you to do any work involved with it. They just did it all themselves and invited you to come and take it. That's gracious. And that's what God's promises are to us. Not only are they good, that is, pleasing and, and perfect, but they're gracious in that they're given to us freely. Now, sometimes the things that happen in our life may not always seem so good. We may question why this or, or that has happened. Maybe uh, there's an illness that comes into your life. Maybe there's some change to plans that you have. Maybe some project you've been working on fails. Maybe a relationship ends. But God still has his gracious goodwill planned to use those things for your benefit. God does not send evil into this world, but God allows it. And God will bend it to use for his purposes for us. Let me give you an example of that. In the Old Testament, there were 12 sons of Jacob, who was called Israel. They became the leaders then of the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, one of them was named Joseph, and he was what we might say a little bit of a know-it-all. And uh, he would bother his older brothers, and they finally became upset with it. And so one day they just beat him up. They sold him as a slave to go off to Egypt. He ends up as a slave in Egypt. He's working in the house of a government official where he is falsely accused of sexual assault and ends up in prison for several years. Now we look at that and say, man, all that rotten, bad stuff. That certainly was not what he planned. But through it all, God was at work. He used it as an opportunity then to reveal his will to the people, that there would be a period of famine that was coming. So in preparation for that, they should store up their grain. Because of that message, 
Joseph not only got out of prison, but he was elevated to be the vice pharaoh of Egypt. And he oversaw the collection of grain for seven years so that when the seven years of drought and famine came, there was plenty of food for the whole region. As Joseph looked back over those events, he told his brothers, what you intended to do to me was evil, but God turned it for good. And so it is, God's good and gracious plans will even take those bad things that happen in our life and turn them into good. So the lesson is, <laughs> don't be fooled by appearances. Don't be fooled by the experiences that you may have, whether they're good or bad. God is working through all of them to bless us. And by that, I don't just mean these big experiences, but even some of the little details that happen in our life. God is working. Let me give you some examples. The last few months, I've had three batteries on our school vans die. Fortunately, they all died here in the parking lot. So we weren't stranded somewhere filled with students in the van and had to figure out how we're going to get them home. It all happened right here, very conveniently. God was watching over us. Take as another example what's going on here at church. We have been, for almost a year now, trying to fill some positions in our school and for a new associate pastor. And so we've extended calls to people, very qualified people, to come and to serve us. But with the exception of one, they've been turned down. Now we might wonder, well, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? And maybe get frustrated with it. But God is at work. And all of those people uh, whom we've asked to consider serving us, they've all said what a great blessing it was for them to have the opportunity to think through their ministry where they were and the ministry here. And it's been a blessing for us, too, to be able to talk to them, to learn from them, to evaluate things here. You see, God is always working his good and gracious plan. If you ever question it, just remember these words of the Apostle Paul. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out, or as I like to say, beyond figuring out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The point is this. God's plans are always going to be better and more beautiful than all of the disappointments that we have in life. Trust his plans. Now he tells us what the purpose of those plans are. He says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So here's God's purposes for his plans for us. One is to prosper us. Now let me explain how he does that. Again, looking closely at, at the Hebrew words when he says, I have plans, it was a word that was used to describe 
the artistic skill of somebody, the painting or, or weaving something together. It meant that there was a skillful artisan putting together a beautiful project. Now that particular word is used in the Bible in a couple of different ways, but with that same idea. Let me share those ways with you so you understand what God means by prospering us. In one other spot in the Bible where that word is used, where he is putting in the fine detail of our life, it's this one from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one who sinned the Lord does not count against them. That was the word where God has a plan for them. He's not counting them against us. God wipes our slate clean. He erases every record of sin. He washes it away with the blood of Jesus that brings us forgiveness. And so when he's talking about prospering us, he starts here with the fact that we are forgiven for all of our sins. That means he holds nothing against us. Here's another way that word that he has an artistic plan for us is used in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 15, after he made those beautiful promises to Abraham about making him a great nation and about sending the Savior through his family line, it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. And that was that word again, to have that detailed, beautiful working plan. You see, that's God's plan, to give us the righteousness that we need to enter heaven, to make us perfect in his sight through our faith in Christ. And that's, my friends, where prosperity starts. We often think when we hear prosper or prosperity, we think of material wealth. You know, how much money do I have? What have I saved up? What's my income like? What, what are the material things that I have? What are my possessions? That's what we think about, right? But God says, start here. You have the rich forgiveness and righteousness of Christ. That's where prosperity starts. And everything else that you need is given to you because of that. Now, he also said, I have plans to give you hope. So plans to prosper us and plans to give us hope. Now, all month long, we've been talking about getting our hopes up. And I've told you the way a Christian defines hope is different than maybe the way it's used outside in the world. Do you remember that definition? Here it is. Hope is not a wish or a want, but an expectation based on the promises that God has made and kept to us in the Lord. God's plan is to give us that expectation of his blessings. Now, how does that work, though, when plans get changed, when there is that disappointment or that devastation? How does that work when we, when we hear reports of, of doom and gloom all around us? Well, God shows us what will silence all those negative predictions. God shows us what will cover over the bad. God tells us what is going to explain all the troubles. 
It's hope. The expectation of blessing, because God promised that. Paul shows us how hope works through troubles. Listen to his words from Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see where he's starting? He's starting with that foundation of prosperity, of forgiveness and righteousness in Christ. We have peace with God. He's only going to bless us. Now it says, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And so we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now he tells us how hope works. So not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's God's plan. Through the working of all troubles or challenges or whatever else may be, when things change in life, we can count on God's blessings, good and gracious, perfect, always. Sometimes we may think that we have our life perfectly planned out, right? Like that top drawing, just one smooth road to success. But in reality, God sees it a different way. He's going to see the dips and the bumps that are going to come. He's going to see the potholes and the shaky bridges. He's going to see the narrow ways and all the troubles we will experience. But it will reach the end. To be honest, we should probably look at life more like this. Here's my plan. (laughs) It's all messed up. But God makes it one straight path. And so what are we urged to do? Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You see, things don't always go our way, but things always go God's way. And God's way brings blessings. Let's say that phrase together, please. Things don't always go our way, but things always go God's way, and God's way brings blessings. And what are those blessings? He tells us. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. The blessings, the prize that we get is having that close relationship with our God. Though our sins, though our faithlessness has separated us from God, God doesn't take his love or presence away from us. But instead, he calls us to draw closer to him, to be in a loving, caring, supportive relationship. We might feel that in times of trouble, when our plans have changed drastically, that God isn't there, that God isn't blessing us. But he tells us what to do, to come to him and to talk to him 
and he will listen. Isn't that amazing? Here's the, the, the almighty God of the universe, and he's going to sit down and take time out of his schedule and listen to us. And what is he going to tell us about? His good, perfect plans. Plans to give us a perfect future, he says. That word uh, future in the Hebrew is also an interesting word. It means an expected end. God is going to give us exactly what we can expect. A life that's no longer filled with suffering or sorrow, where all of our needs are taken care of, where he will be present as our loving Savior, as our dear Heavenly Father, and the Spirit who has given us faith now and fills us with joy and pleasures forever. That's the expected end from God's good plans for us. But now as we go through life, it might feel a little more like the psalmist said, like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Things change. Things aren't always pleasant. But we're walking through that valley of shadow. A shadow is cast because whatever the object is, there's a light that shines behind it. And that light is Jesus, who has walked that way before us and who has prepared that way for us to lead us to that perfect end. So what should we do now? Walk by faith, not by sight. To hear and to hold on to the promises that God has made for us and to get our hopes up, looking ahead to that bright and perfect future, understanding with faith that every step we take in this life in the Lord is just his way of leading us to that perfect, expected end, eternity. So we have reason to get our hopes up because God has perfect plans for us. Amen.